Hey guys, this is Eddie McClintock. I play Special Agent Pete Latimer on Warehouse 13. At least I did before they canceled us. Shh. And you guys are listening to Paul, Ian, and Matt on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Check it out. What's up? Welcome to episode 121 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, the ever-faithful Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello, listeners. Missing from tonight's episode, Matt Cassell. Ian and I will do our best to bring his trademark condescension to this episode. Try to keep our snark game strong. It is Monday night, September 21st. Tonight we're going to talk about all new, all different Marvel. We're going to ask the hard questions like, how all new, all different is it? Eh, I don't know if it's going to be that hard of a question to answer, but we'll dive into it. And we're going to talk about a trade paperback we both read called The Wicked and the Divine, published by Image. But before we get into that stuff, we're going to do housekeeping. With Ian Sharpley. If you go to mixsauce.com, you can check out all of the hard work that Paul and myself put into the brand of Mixsauce. We have the webcomic, which is the source of all of the Mixsauce works that we do. Our page is updated five days a week with the comic book, or the comic strip, the comic books that we review, as well as this podcast that you can find Every week, unless we have vacation or, you know, something like that. Most weeks, most weeks. Other things, you know, something. We don't have that Gearbox Union consistency. Well, we don't have that B team. See, we can function with a two-man booth. The Gearbox Union, they need, like, 15 different people different groups. It's it's like masses and hordes that rain down upon their podcast and I don't know how they function really with that many people. I'm pretty sure one episode they had their mailman and the pizza guy. That's true. Does Just it, on an episode to get ahead of us. Does it really count? I say no. I say no. You decide, fans. But you can find our podcast In a variety of different ways, you can find it on iTunes. We also are available on Stitcher for those that have Android devices, or if iTunes is just acting a little weird for you. You can go to Podomatic.com, and you can download or stream there. You can also download the classic episodes at mcsaucepodcast.libsyn.com. As always, we're pretty active on social media. We like to talk to our fans, engage in... All kinds of different conversations. You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are out there. Again, underscore McSauce. Me at The Sauce. You can find Matt at Little Depressed Matt. You can always find all of that information on where to reach us on our Facebook page. One of the easiest ways to get updated on what we're doing. We also like to share different kinds of memes and comic book related news movie news on the Facebook page so stay up to date on all your comic book news at the uh, Facebook page for McSauce and um, some of the things that we will be doing this upcoming weekend if you're in the Baltimore area on September 25th through the 27th Baltimore Comic Con at the Convention Center in downtown Baltimore Right by the Inner Harbor. That's correct. You can stop in. You can then go to the Inner Harbor and enjoy all the sights and sounds. I think there's Bubba Gump Shrimp down there. There's also a great subway nearby. A high-caliber subway that you and I stopped at a few times. And I feel like we're subway connoisseurs. When we work together, we went to subway every single day. We know how a good subway should function. One of the foundations... Of our relationship is Subway. Subway, Juicy Butts, and Weezer. <laughs> Those are the keys. That's stones. the trifecta. <laughs> the Holy Trinity. That's what keeps McSauce together. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that. 
two out of the three will be down at Baltimore this weekend. Can't promise Weezer. <laughs> you can find Subway <laughs> and Juicy Juicy Cosplay Butts. You can also find comic book legends like Neil Adams, Frank Cho, Cliff Chang, Darwin Cook, Mark Wade, a whole host of other comic book industry legends will be found there. And someone who's a legend to me, a new friend, but he's still a legend in my mind. Matt Cassell? He is not a new friend. He is a legend to me. The, the, the myth, the legend of Matt Cassell. We talked about him last week. I felt like we kind of didn't give him a good plug. Our good friend, Josh Balmer, will be down at Baltimore Con with us this this weekend. You can find Josh's art at bomtronart.com. B-O-M-T-R-O-N-A-R-T dot com. Very talented artist. Star Wars centric. One of the most knowledgeable Star Wars people that I know. And I know a lot of knowledgeable Star Wars people. Not myself included. Other people. Other people know a lot about Star Wars. Who were we talking to recently that they were pretty adamant that we were Star Wars fans and we kept saying, no, no, no. We were. And then we met Matt. And that's insane. So we're clearly not Star Wars. I think it was Bomber. He was talking to us, and he was saying that, yeah, yeah, you guys kind of know some stuff. And I'm like, yeah, not we like, don't know, not like Matt knows. Well, well we we know stuff. Like I'm, stuff. I'm pretty sure if Matt and I sat down at for like a name this character playoff, I could hang. Yeah. But I don't get the fever. And what really, what really illustrated that was when. The Force Awakens teaser came out, and he was refreshing his browser every couple minutes, and he could barely sit still, and he was up early in the morning, and he couldn't wait for it. But I kind of forgot it was coming out that day. Yeah, our levels of excitement really kind of showed our fandom. I don't hold all the knowledge in my my little comic book and movie brain like you guys do, but I'm, I'm a fan. I really enjoy Star Wars a lot. I know that day I... Knew that it was coming out. I woke up not early, just on you know around like eleven o'clock. It was Black Friday. I'm sleeping in a little bit. Woke up, and but the first thing that I did because it was fresh on my mind, I went. I checked out the Star Wars trailer. I watched it a few times. Goosebumps, chills, excitement, fireworks, all the whole nine. Modest chills, excitement, and fireworks. <laughs> So, if you want to talk to a real Star Wars fan and not some imposters like Paul and myself... I think Bomber may even join the 501st Legion, the official Lucasfilm-sanctioned cosplayers of the United States. Really? That's pretty intense. Yeah, I think he was, uh, he was trying to get some information from some of our friends. Ah, Check out our good friend Bomber at BombtronArt.com. You can go to the Facebook and find some links that I put up. He has Instagram, Facebook, his website, Twitter. He has them all, so check them out. Josh Bomber. Great guy. Even better artist. (laughs) He's a better artist than he is a person. (laughs) Is Is that how we want to promote that? Uh, I don't. His know. art's real good. His art's real good. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. His art's real good. He's a great person too. So check him out. Personality's real good too. Yeah, we like him. Goodish. <laughs> goodish. You have a goodish. He, he doesn't listen, so we can bang him around. A little. Uh, I don't think he listens. I I don't think he would be friends with us if he listened to this bullshit. Oh, he's he's heard me say a lot of filthy things. Yeah, yeah. He still comes around. <laughs> so. Marvel's doing all new, all different Marvel. It was supposed to spin out of Secret Wars a couple months ago, from what I hear, but since the main Secret Wars book has been delayed, the launch of these new books had to get pushed back. I feel like some books have come out. Jeff Lemire's Hawkeye has been coming out pretty regularly, but now seems to be the big push for the real, all new, all different Marvel in October. Yeah, I felt like this was due out probably around this week, and then they had to push back so that it would all line up with Secret Wars. Man, it's shit like that that just drives me crazy. 
I understand that it's a hard job being a comic book artist and hitting deadlines and being on time. But some guys can hit the deadlines all the time. And other dudes are late. And when it comes to a book like Secret Wars, that the entire line of your universe depends on it coming out on time and ending at a certain time, wouldn't you get somebody that could hit those deadlines so that you could meet all of your marketing so you didn't have to push things around? It makes me wonder how many millions of dollars they could potentially lose from all this reshuffling. I feel like there's no accountability for that kind of thing. And maybe that's that you know just speaks to how we're not in that business. But I feel like guys routinely get, you know, they're late on books, you know, books, you know, come out way later because these guys can't do them on time. But, you know, a month later, hey, these guys got another big project. It feels like the same world of like how you're treating sports stars, your main athletes, your your big time stars that have talent that can't be reproduced easily. So those dudes get away with murder sometimes, beating sometimes. their girlfriends, sometimes trafficking drugs, all different kinds of shit. And they still have their job, they still get paid you know, extra extra amounts of money. They're still important. They're still on Sports Illustrated. Nothing happens to them. There is, there's no accountability there. And it's the same thing with the comic book world. It's, it's. <laughs> Jim Lee was one of the latest dudes of all time, and he's the co-publisher of DC. Yeah. So, but he's a great talent, unique talent. When so. you think of '90s comics and the person that really drove that industry, Jim Lee is one of the main dudes. So. Is Assad Rubik in that tier, though? He's the guy drawing Secret Wars. Probably the reason it's been so late. I would guess. Like, um, right? Who's writing that? Hickman. Yeah. Okay. I don't think that Hickman's having a problem yeah, I don't, writing I'm that book. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the story's all set and, and ready to go. And, like, but it's, this is a constant comic book problem. The shit's always late, and artists are always late, and books are late. And I'm like, what are these companies doing that they're just like, eh, eh, it's fine. We'll I mean, get it out there. I, I don't think Assad Rubik is in the same company as Jim Lee, but he definitely is one of the marquee artists at Marvel. He's one of my favorite, and I, I think he's one of the more important and probably the ones that he, he has... Um, a contract with Marvel, so you don't see his art other places. I fucking hate those exclusive contracts. I think I feel like I hate them mostly right now because Marvel seems to have all the talent. Do you feel that way? Like who else? I mean, DC has seen some talent shift over with Ramita Junior coming over there. Yeah. They have don't they have both of the Cuberts right now? Yeah, but I don't think the I don't think any of those three artists, Adam or Andy Kubert or John Romita Jr., are at their peak. But like you're getting like just looking at this list of Marvel books, you well Adam Kubert's doing some work on Avengers, so I guess he's doing both. But like Mark Wade and Jerry Dugan are both great writers. They're over at Marvel. Mahmoud Azrar is an upcoming talent. I fucking love his work. He's with Marvel. Um, Kenneth Rockefeller, Chris Piccolo, like um, Daniel Acuna, like looking down at all these names. Frank Cho has been with Marvel forever. Um, they got Andrea Sorrentino. Looking down the list of their artists, I'm like, fuck. Marvel has everyone that I want to see right now, except they're not on any of the characters that I want to see. Yeah, I mean, DC still has some of the old faithful artists and, and writers there. They still have Jeff Johns. They still have Scott Snyder. I know that yeah. Jock is a big artist. And it's that, not to knock on Greg Capullo and Ethan Van Skyver, who are great, but like then you get guys like Billy Tan on... Yeah. Philip Tan? Philip Tan and, or Billy Tan? Phil, I get them confused. The Bag Tan. On Green Lantern. I feel like they're both bad. Mm. Isn't Billy... Doesn't Billy Tan have, like, squinty faces that he draws on people? Yeah, it must be... That must be the, the guy. Yeah. 
Um, but like there are yeah there are good artists like I love Bernard Chang who's on Green Lantern Lost Army right now. But I feel like looking down Marvel's list of these titles, I'm like, ah, oh, I'd really like to see some of these people do some DC books. Like Sarah Pacelli, but she seems to be like so wrapped up with Brian Bendis that she'll never leave. Yeah, Sarah Marvel. Pacelli kind of jumps around. And who's the artist that is doing the uh, Justice League title right now? I, I isn't he like oh, our new? Jason. Jason Fabok. Jason Fabok is like our... He's like the new hotness, and DC has him right now. Yeah, he's legit hotness. Uh, You know, who... I'm not sure who is on the Batgirl title, but that's something that a lot of people respond to. Annie Wu is on Black Canary. So they have some, some maybe, like, unconventional artists over at DC, and that's... Some yeah. of the stuff that I'm and Caldwell on Prez too. That's a that's a damn good looking great, book, yeah. man. So yeah, maybe I'm, I'm a little premature. Maybe what I should be saying is that there are artists with Marvel now that I would really love to see on DC books. Is it? It's probably just a grass is greener kind of thing. But it, that's always how it has been. When Ramita was only at. Marvel, you always wanted to see him draw Superman and Batman. Now that he's drawing, it's like, eh, I'd kind of like to see you draw Spider-Man again, bro. Yeah, we, we've been over John Romita Jr., but I, I, feel like his, I feel like his best days are in the uh, rearview mirror. Uh-huh. Something about that Superman work is just not, not the same, and maybe it's me, maybe it's not hitting me the same place I was at when I read those Spider-Man stories, but those Spider-Man books were just out of this world. Yeah. Um, that probably has a lot to do with the stories being way more interesting for Spider-Man than these Superman stories are. Yeah, I think the take was, it was fresh and it was new, but it wasn't crammed down your throat with marketing and tied into the greater universe. You could read a Spider-Man book by JMS and John Romita Jr., and it wasn't connected to anything. You didn't need any kind of further story than what you were just reading. And I think... That's, especially with what we're going to be talking about here with all the all-new, all-different stuff, that's the problem I have. It feels like it's all connected together, and you need to have information about what happened in this book to know what's going on with this character. And I, I don't like that. I like the disconnected, separate worlds of these characters. Yeah, I was looking, I was really looking forward to, well, maybe really looking forward to it is pushing it, but I was interested that this all-new, all-different Marvel may have some books for me to want to try out. Because when they did... What was the last new stuff called? All-new Marvel? It was either just all-new or just all-different. Now, they're combining the two. Yeah, and, like, you know, back whenever they launched that, I was like, oh, new... Spider-Man book. Doc Ock's not Spider-Man anymore. Peter Parker's back. I'll check it out. And there was some stuff like that, but like looking through this list of solicitations, I'm like, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really interested in any of these books that are coming out. And it's a shame because like I'll, I'll see like Mahmoud Azrar drawing a book. Like he's, I guess he's going to be splitting duties on all new, all different Avengers, written by Mark Wade. So it's it's Mark Wade writing, mm-hmm. and Adam Kubert and Mahmoud Azrar on art. That's a fucking team, man. That's with, a good team. And it looks like Alex Ross covers the covers pretty cool with all the revised and refreshed characters: the Falcon, Captain America, Lady Thor, Ms. Marvel, Miles Morales. Spider-Man and the younger Nova. So it's all these different characters in that real classic Alex Ross painted style. Um, but again, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have any connection with any of these characters besides Miles Morales. Yeah, and that's that's a big problem with that book. I mean, you put this great creative team together, but I don't fucking care about any of these characters. Hmm. I like Nova. Yeah. But I don't want to read Sam Wilson as Captain America yeah. or Jane Foster as Thor. Like I want to see Steve Rogers and Thor. Yeah. You know, not 
you know, is, is Iron Man still Tony Stark? That's a great question because that would be the only character that would be grounding that book for me. And I bet you any money it's not. I'm sure it's Pepper fucking Potts or something <laughs> like that. So I, I have absolutely no idea. One book that jumped out at me that I thought was kind of crazy, Jerry Conway is writing Carnage. That seems really weird. Jerry Conway, longtime DC writer. Is it is it, it weird that he's writing Carnage or that there is a Carnage book? Um, it's not weird that there's a Carnage book. It's weird that he's writing it. Because there have been other Carnage miniseries throughout the years. He's a pretty popular character for being as shitty as he is. But is this a miniseries or is this an ongoing? Might be an ongoing. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it's an ongoing. It, it doesn't seem like that character has enough behind him to support even a miniseries, much less an ongoing. Well, while we're talking about... Characters that shouldn't have a mini-series or an ongoing. Why the fuck is there a Karnak book? Oh, boy. Where are you? I, I have no Hand idea. Phrase. Who knows? Who knows who Karnak is out there in podcast land? I'm counting uh, zero. Uh, zero. And I'm sure someone's going to get on the Facebook page and be like, Well, well Karnak's from the humans and he used to be my mom, mom, mom. Calm down, cunt. We know. <laughs> like, I know who Karnak is. I've been around comic books. You know, I've read some... I've read some Inhumans, but... Why the fuck is he getting his own series? And it's written by Warren Ellis. Drawn by David Asia. Cover artist. Oh, just David cover Asia. Oh. Artist. Gerardo Zafino. Ah, who the fuck is that? I don't We know. don't know. You know who else doesn't know who that is? Warren Ellis. <laughs> But like, like so, Warren Ellis is a name. He's done some great things. You know, maybe he had some great pitch. Maybe he had some a little bit of weight he could throw around. Maybe he wanted. Maybe he said, "Get me Zafino." <laughs> Not even fuck Zafino. It's the Karnak's the issue. Give me Karnak. Was he just and was Zafino. he Jones in to do Karnak? And he like kicks in the Marvel doors, and he's like, "I want Karnak, and I want him now." And uh, Axel Alonso's like. Who? Isn't that an image guy? <laughs> we don't own the planetary. <laughs> Alice is like, no, he's an inhuman. Well, fuck. Do whatever you want. You know he did. Because it feels like... Who... Who asks... You know, Matt Fraction had to have gone in there and said, I have this great, weird idea for Hawkeye. He's going to he's gonna have Band-Aids, a T-shirt, and a dog who likes pizza. And Marvel was probably like, yeah, make it fucking happen. But, and it did, and now everybody's going to be like, and maybe, give me this random character. And maybe it's, af- maybe it's after the fact, since Hawkeye's been successful, that that doesn't seem like such a crazy pitch. But... That kind of doesn't. Like, I, I feel like it, you could... I feel like, in a sense, DC's done that in a variety of different medias with Green Arrow. He's a B-slash-C-list character that doesn't have a lot of money and doesn't have a lot of story attached to him that you can kind of take him in some different directions. I disagree because I feel like what DC does with Green Arrow is they give him the Batman treatment. They're like, give him all that shit that people love about Batman, but make him green and blonde. Yeah, well, that's that's the CW Arrow treatment. That's where that's going. But mm-hmm. if you look at Brad Meltzer and Kevin Smith's Green Arrow books, like... Those were different than, you know, superhero, Justice League, or Crime Fighter. Those were a little more street-level. Like, you can you can do more things with a character of that, that you know, success level. I see what you're saying. I agree. But in Hawkeye, is way, way more mainstream than Karnak. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> for real, who the fuck is asking I, for a Karnak? I don't know. You know I don't what, know what's what, going to happen. Like, what's the pitch on this book. What are they planning on doing with this? In in six months fuck, fuck that. In four months, we're gonna get Marvel's cancelled. Marvel's cancelled four books and one of them's gonna be Karnak. Just like four months after DC announced Omega Men they're like, oh, we're cancelling Omega Men. Oh, oh really? You because are? no one but co-publisher Dan DiDio is into the Omega Men. Yeah. Why do you keep Making Omega Men books. Just fucking stop. And what about, um, 
uh, Angela, Guardian of Hell, or whatever the fuck that book's called. That is Marvel just flaunting its lawsuit dick right now. That They're just like, we stole this character away from everybody, and now we're trying to weave it in to the Marvel Universe. Really, really strange. It's really strange to see somebody that was famously an image character that has all that 90s imageness all about her. Looks like Spawn and Witchblade's baby. It's weird to see her in the Marvel Universe and try to make her part of the Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever the fuck. I don't know. I don't even understand how she's in the Marvel Universe. I really don't. Yeah, I, that that's something I, I I never understood. There was I was getting, I was still getting Guardians then, and you know there was all the big guy. Oh, you're not gonna believe who's at the end of this issue. You're not gonna believe who shows up. And then I turn the page and I'm like, Who the fuck is this? It might as well have been Batman. <laughs> <laughs> like this makes no sense. What are you doing? I feel like this is so, that's something Marvel would do. Like, Marvel would put bat- straight up Batman. This is Bruce Wayne. And the <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. And just get sued. And Marvel, Marvel will be like, what? We're Marvel. We got the cash to back up your lawsuit. We'll keep you in Law and Order, Law and Order Special Victims Unit Hell for as long as you want until we're done using your fucking character. Because we might own that, too. We haven't checked. And if we don't own it, we'll fucking buy it. Because we're dis- <laughs> Marvel. Hang on, DC. Does Disney own Law and Order? Yeah, they CBS. All right. How about Lucasfilm? What do they got? They well, got the- what is Law and Order? Law and Order was NBC. NBC. Yeah. Because so Disney that's owns, uh, Disney owns ABC. So that's NBC is a Universal thing. Correct. Okay. Yeah. The, reading reading through this list, those are the two big books that that really stood out. Like, what the fuck are they doing? You get a Doctor Strange number one, Captain Marvel number one, Ultimates number one. That's the fall makes sense. The A Force book that is the all female Avengers. That book makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that was actually something that was cool that came out of Secret Wars. I read a few of those, and it was fun. It was cool. It was kind of like uh, it was kind of like Marvel's attempt at having Themyscira and Wonder Woman and that whole vibe, an island of strong female protectors. It was kind of cool. So is that what it was? That's what it was part like of. They were on an island. They were on an island in battle. So the world. whole and they they they. Uh, they uh, wait, but that's that's they, spinning out into its own. Like they're gonna have. It's gonna be different. In the real world. Right? Yeah, 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 it's gonna probably be different. They're not gonna be on a. Maybe I just want so them to answers, be on an island. That answers some of the question. It is different. It, it's. It's not all new, though. <laughs> it's, what see, we're getting new stuff like their marketing, Karnak. their marketing campaign is fucked up. It should be all new or all different. <laughs> uh, one book that jumped out at me that was strange was the Drax number one, written by uh, professional wrestler CM Punk and Cullen Bunn. That seemed odd. That CM well, Punk's going to be writing or co-writing a, it's, a book. It's got to be written by Colin Vaughn and, <laughs> and CM Punk just paid to put his name on it or something. But they got fucking Ed McGinnis for that. Like, like what? Why are they stroking CM Punk's dick? Like, you know what? Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give you a Drax book, another character that doesn't need his own fucking title. Absolutely. And not. we're gonna give you superstar artist Ed McGinnis. Is he on an exclusive contract, too? Because I feel like I've only seen him lately on... He he did Red Hulk stuff. He did Nova for a while. He, he's got to be. Yeah, so that's that's a strange one. Are there any books on this list, Paul, that, that you do have some interest in that you'd like to check out? No. <laughs> None. Like, the, the tit- there are titles that... I'm interested in, like, Guardians of the Galaxy. But it's Venom, and The Thing, and Kitty Pride is Star-Lord, and, like, I don't I don't want to read that book. Yeah. I want to read about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Not all new, all different Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, I'm, I have no desire to get Sam Wilson, Captain America. You know why? Because you're the fucking Falcon. You're Maybe not Captain new, America. kind of different... I want I, I I like Nova, but 
I'm not interested in seeing Sam Alexander pal around the galaxy with his dad getting into crazy Nova hijinks. Like, it was better when when that book was launched with Ed McGinnis, when um, it was just Sam Alexander, the Novas, mm-hmm. all got killed or disbanded or wherever the hell they went, and it was just Sam Alexander gets a Nova helmet, and he's trying to find his dad. Great arc. Great run. But now he's found his dad, so... I don't... Uh, I'm fucking know. Venom, Space Knight. Why the fuck is Venom? Oh my god, is that Why the title? Why is he fucking Space Knight? <laughs> Space Knight, that's fucking terrible. Just kill me. I hate that. I, I look at some of these titles, and I get excited for part of it, and then I read the next name, and I'm like, oh, well, that kind of fucking sucks. Like, I'm looking here at... Totally Awesome Hulk. There are a few things wrong with this. Is, that the, all, t- is that the title? Yes. No. It's- the Totally Awesome Hulk. First of all, that title fucking stinks. <laughs> I don't really like Greg Pack. I don't like the Hulk, but my boy Frank toes on that piece. I will not be getting that book, however. Doctor oh, Strange, nice. number one. I do like Doctor Strange. I do like writer Jason Aaron. But Chris Bacallo. Bacallo. Eh, not really a huge like fan. Is he you? like real cartoony? He's yeah, yeah. he's real he cartoony, kind of like anime ish. Like uh, I'm not a big fan of his. Old Man Logan's a title that I think about, but I'm like, you know what? That story was the original Old Man Logan story was so well done from start to finish. Like I don't think we need to further explore that. Haven't we beaten that to death? And they had, they just got done having an entire world the old Logan battle world where they told I don't know, upwards of seven issues of that story that was done and finished in 2008. Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino that's a great creative team, but fuck yeah, Spider-Man number one, reuniting Bendis and Pacelli. I'll probably get that, because I like that team. I do like Miles Morales, so I'll probably check that out. I was thinking about checking that out, too, because if they're going to keep letting me down with Peter Parker, maybe maybe I'll give in. You know what, Marvel? I tap out. You got me? I will accept Miles Morales as your Spider-Man. Diversity! So long as it's a good book. But if it sucks and I don't like it, then I'm out. It's got a chance to be a good book. Daredevil number one with Charles Soule and Ron Garney. Hasn't that been out already? Like, haven't they done that already? Or is it still the Mark Wade stuff coming out? It's on the list. I'm not sure if it's out yet or not. Charles Soule, he's like somebody that I feel I should like, but everything that I read from him, I'm kind of underwhelmed with. What did he launch New 52 with? Uh, Oh, or he picked up Swamp Thing after Snyder. He, yeah, he picked he up. He was after on a Green Lantern. He was on New uh, New Guardians, Green Lantern Corps. He was on something, and I thought I liked him for a minute, but the, the, all, all the Green Lantern stuff was screwed up. There's something else recently that he's been. Oh, he's been writing Lando, which has been great. Well, that's right. Yeah, I, I did like that. I'm trying to think of some of the other. Charles Soule's going to be on Uncanny and Humans. Oh, Superman, Wonder Woman. I didn't really like all that much. He was on Green Lantern. Uh, he did some work on Death of Wolverine that I really didn't like. Yeah, and Star Wars. Lando was probably the best thing that he's written that I've. I I've feel read. like, like I don't. <clears throat> maybe I'm being naive for not buying into the. Marvel hating on the X-Men because they don't have the movie properties. That's why they're using the big Inhuman push. But I've always looked at the Inhumans in in the Marvel Universe like I look at the New Gods in the DC Universe. They're bullshit. (laughs) They suck. I don't care if, you know, Jack King Kirby created the fucking New Gods. Mm -hmm. They're fucking dumb. They're really fucking dumb characters except Darkseid. And, like, same with Inhumans. They're just fucking knockoffs. Like, every time I read a story with one of those morons in it, it never feels like a Marvel book. Yeah. Like, you can throw X-Men and Avengers and Guardians. You can put all these different areas of the Marvel Universe in the same book. 
And I'm like, oh, this is this is awesome. This all feels so organic and natural. And then you throw fucking Black Bolt in a story, and it's like, you just hear the squealing of the brakes, like, whoa, 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 what the fuck is happening? What's going on with this chick with, like, the big black circle in her hair? Like The, I, the I worst just, part about that is you can't have your leader not be able to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. That defeats the purpose of your team. Then everybody else is just trying to talk around everything and fill in his dialogue and it's super clunky and it's always shitty. I I, I hate the Inhumans too. Yeah, and I, I feel like looking through this list there's just a bunch of Inhumans stuff going on and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now is going to be like the, the arc for this next season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be searching out and finding new Inhumans. So, and like in the show, I guess it works because they've been setting that up from the beginning. But I'm not really interested in it. Like, I get, like, you know, maybe I'm just bummed that Chloe Bennett cut her hair short. Uh. That's, a, that's always a killer for me. Now we get to the real deal. Yeah, I can't look past, I, I can't look at the Inhumans either in the movies or in the comic books and not see the... The weird creative and marketing and, and the them burying the X-Men, who were some of my favorite comic book characters, and still are, some of the comic books that I find the most entertaining from back whenever I was collecting in the 90s, I can't look at the Inhumans and not think, you guys are hired hitmen brought in here to supplant these other characters that are better characters. They just are. Well, um, we've talked a lot about what books and characters we are going to see, but I found an article earlier today on comicbook.com that talks about what characters are surprisingly absent from this new list of Marvel books. Mm -hmm. And first is Cyclops. Because Marvel hates Cyclops. They made him kill Professor X and turned him to a dickhead ever since then. So where's... Well, wasn't he off leading his own group of, like, morally questionable X-Men? Black Ops X-Men. Yeah, they had the X-Men divided into two teams. That's not surprising. That's what they've been doing for 20 years now. But he led a team that also had... um, Emma Frost, who has been a villain for most of her career. Magneto was on this team, and some other X-Men that were kind of questionable. So he was leading that for a long time. Um, So I don't know, you know, it's strange that the leader of at what was the most popular Marvel book, the X-Men, he's not anywhere to be found in the Marvel Universe now. Strange. He's such a staple of the the X-Men brand. Like, it's... eh, maybe, Maybe that's just... For our age group, and because when we were even in the '90s, I wasn't mm-hmm. in comic books, but I yeah. watched the cartoon. Cyclops was always front and center. He was always front and center in everything. And now that he's not, I'm like, well, like, like I, I look at all these. Like I picked up the when X Men relaunched for I guess it was all new Marvel when it was a girls team. <laughs> the leaders of the team was like. Jubilee, Rogue, Storm, Rachel, Summers, the girl with the red stripes on her face. Yeah. Is that her name? Yeah, Rachel Summers, Phoenix from the future. Yeah, like, you know, I knew all, all of those characters, but, like, all the the second tier, like, who the fuck are all these yeah. people? And I feel like that's a, a story for another time that, like, X-Men is always revolving the cast so much, but Cyclops has always been a staple, and now he's he's gone. And Reed Richards is also absent from the new list. Once again, another business move and not a creative move. This one makes a little more sense because the Fantastic Four, we all know what happened with the movie, but the comic books haven't been selling very well for a number, number of years. So... It does kind of make sense for them to maybe move away a little bit. But, again, Fantastic Four was a staple of the Marvel Universe. It's strange that they can't find a way to make that book work 
you can't bring in some great talent to revive that? I don't think there's any reason that Marvel can't roll Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four into a bigger part of that universe. They can be supporting characters in other books, even if they don't have their own main title anymore. Yeah, I hope that that's the case. Um, I know that there's a lot of direction from down on high to make sure that you don't use Fantastic Four characters or X-Men for different things, but they're great supporting characters, and I would definitely like to see them still remain in the Marvel Universe. Another missing character is Mockingbird. Mm, Who gives a shit about (laughs) Mockingbird? (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. I'm looking at this list, and I'm like, who the fuck cares about Mockingbird? Like, I didn't know who she was until I researched her after Secret Invasion. Right. Because at the end of Secret Invasion, the big reveal is the scroll ship comes down and the door opens and Clint loses his shit because it's his ex-wife or something. Yeah, I thought it it was going to be Batman there behind her. I looked at it, I I looked and I was like, who? Like at the end of Guardians with Angela, I'm like, who the fuck is this? Like, should I care about this? I guess that that was a deep cut. For the true fans. I guess so. The true believers. Nobody freaked out. I don't know anybody that was like, Finally! Mockingbird! It's been 20 years! Who cares? I don't... Like, I don't... Everyone says, like, the publishing arm has nothing to do with the entertainment arm of the business, but this screams to me that since Adrian Palicki's character on the TV show, since she plays Mockingbird on the show... That's why people are bringing up the fact of, oh, where's Mockingbird? Why, why isn't Mockingbird involved? Because yeah. she was supposed to get her own spinoff mm-hmm. that I think may still be in the works. Super sexy, except for that mole on her face. Oh, but I don't think she needs her own you. spinoff. She was if, sexy as Wonder Woman, too, in those brief stills we got when that show was supposed to get off the ground. I like that. Do you think if they lasered that mole off of her forehead that she would get her own spinoff for that the Wonder Woman series. We'd be in the third season of that Wonder Woman series at to this be, point. It be, would be the definitive Wonder Woman series. To be fair, I don't think any mole on the face is attractive. I know like it's the old Marilyn Monroe mole. Cindy Crawford, you no. want a fan? No. Get it off of there. It looks like you have chocolate on your face. Everybody except, likes chocolate, except man. Adrian Palicki's is between her eyes. She has chocolate on her forehead. Somebody was like, <laughs> "That looks like how she adorable." Was on chocolate Ash Wednesday. She <laughs> <laughs> was Ash Wednesday at Willy Wonka's. <laughs> Christian Bell has it too, but it's on like the side of his nose yeah. and at certain angles. You can't see his eye That's because true. it's blocking it? Yeah. That may be an exaggeration, but just a slight exaggeration. No, and I'm sure he can see that shit, too, so... Oh, he's got to. I mean, that's that's what fucked you up when you're fighting Bane, man. You can see <laughs> past your mole, you got your back broke. These people are... They're, they're rich enough. Just go get it done. Go get it done. It's not... It's not cute. So why don't we move into our sec- our second topic for tonight, which is an image book called The Wicked and the Divine. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I didn't know you were reading this. So it was, a, it was a pleasant surprise when you came over tonight and you were like, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm like eight issues deep into that thing. I only read five issues. I read the first trade. Um, I don't, I don't remember... I got this from a girl that I work with, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't remember the conversation we had about it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why she brought this in for me, but she brought it in. Oh, here, here you go. You said you, you like this. comic books. Wow, is that a stretch? Because I know what this book's all about, and this is not your standard superhero comic book fair. No, not, and it doesn't have to be. Preacher, not your traditional comic book fan. No. It's amazing. Why the Last Man? Amazing. I would not recommend this to you. I know that I've written, probably last year around this time, I wrote a review about issue number four or something like that. And it, I think that you said something <laughs> along oh. the lines of, 
Holy shit, does that bo- sound boring? I'm gonna have to go back and look up that review. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't really know what led me to reading this, but <laughs> since you brought it in, and uh, the interior art is done by Jamie McKelvey, mm-hmm. who is stellar, stellar work. Um, yeah, he's like a really tight. Uh, what's the who's the guy that does preacher? Steve Dillon. Steve Dillon. His stuff is just like a really sharp, crisp Steve Dillon. I agree. He draws such unique faces. Facial expressions are his forte. Like excellent storyteller. He doesn't have to use a whole bunch of splash pages or bombastic situations to tell a really clear and deliberate story. It is an amazing looking book. Like I I absolutely love the artwork. The story, however, Before we move on one second, props to the colorist on this thing. I'm trying to find who it was. Uh, Wilson? Uh, Matthew Wilson. Matthew Wilson. The colorist on The Wicked and the Divine. Part of the reason why this looks so awesome is his his really exquisite work. Yeah, uh, artistically, the, the whole book, the whole book's great. But the story is just so... It's so bizarre, and I feel like a lot of it is... Unnecessary. So, Ian, why don't you tell me, give me the, the gist of what this book's about. The book is about gods that inhabit pop stars' bodies, and the pop stars in this universe are, are gods from different kinds of mythology. And... Um, every so many years, they're rein- reincarnated, and they spend a certain part of their life cycle two doing years. two years doing you know doing whatever they want really, and uh, they have supernatural powers. They ha- they can have control over people, and this book follows a normal everyday young teenager who comes into contact with. Um, with one of the gods who is Lucifer, who is the embodiment of, from how I've heard it described, is it's supposed to be a female David Bowie is the, that character. And all of the all of the gods, I wish my, I wish my eye roll picked up on the mic. <laughs> all of the gods in the Wicked and the Divine are supposed to be, um, they're supposed to be pop stars that you are familiar with. There's a character that's supposed to represent Kanye West in these books. There's a character that's supposed to be Rihanna. There's supposed to be yeah. Is is Sakmet Rihanna? Because that's who that's who she's drawn as, right? Yes. Yeah. But like, it doesn't those those analogs to famous pop stars like mm-hmm. don't ring true for me because Sock Met in this story is a sex crazed cat. I never get that. Yeah, vibe but that's from what Rihanna is Rihanna. though. Really? Have you watched any of her videos? Yeah, but I don't get that from Rihanna. Like I've never Have you seen any of her behavior haven't you ever seen her? I guess I, I like, guess maybe I know much yeah, less, I don't, I don't, less about yeah, yeah. Rihanna than I like, do. So she's, she looked at these at these the pop star gods in this book, and you were like, "Oh yeah, these are totally." I recognize some. Totally of them. spot on. I recognize some. Well, of them. what about Amaterasu, the one with the red hair and the crazy eyes that you meet in the beginning? I think who the hell's that? Kesha. I think that's supposed to be somebody, either Kesha or Lady Gaga, somebody like that. Um, I know that the you know clearly I don't know what his name is, but the dude with the helmet that's clearly a Daft Punk, one of those guys. Yeah, I see that. But that part, like that's the point of these things. Whether it translates, it's a hit or miss. I'm not saying that I I read some of this. This is me reading reviews of them telling me like this is the intention. That's the part of this book that was completely lost on me and that made it 
it's the part that one of the parts that made it unenjoyable because I, you can tell this story mm-hmm. and just say Lucifer and Ball and Sokmet and Emma Amar whatever the hell her name is they're gods they're down on earth we the public knows who they are so naturally if a god like that comes down on earth they're gonna have their own following they're gonna be able to go to a concert stadium and they're gonna have followers they don't need to have the pop star label or embody David Bowie or Rihanna so the whole time I'm reading this Mm -hmm. I'm like well I'm waiting for the pop star line. Why did they, right. why, why are they pop stars? Why does that matter? And it never does because it doesn't. And I feel like that's just Kieran Gillen, the writer. That's just him getting off on his own nuts. This is this is going to go back to one of their first works. Kieran Gillen, Jamie McKelvey did something in the '90s phonogram, which they're also coming out with the second version of, which was the indie version, the Brit pop. Indie version of this book. Yeah, I read something in like in the back of this trade of um, you know, kind of like some behind the scenes notes about. And there's a, a note about phonogram in here, and like that sounds even. Oh, that's in black and white. Yeah, you that, will that hate sounds, that. That sounds even worse than this. And I didn't, I didn't dislike this. I just it was like a lot of it was just. I felt like it was Gillen and McKelvey just writing for themselves. Yeah, and that's kind of what Phonogram is. It's such a specific thing. I think they would be more successful if they didn't go so specific. If they just went with Diva. If they just went with Rockstar. They went, they're they trying to sandwich personality traits of these... I don't even like, think you need to do that. Like, you can just bring, like... Um, you can just bring like Ball down and say, "This is Ball. He's a god. He's a dick. That's this guy's personality. Yeah. It, he doesn't need to be, you know, like hip, you know, hip hop mogul dick. Yeah, he can just be dick. Yeah, and that's fine. And I think like, it's just their spin to make it a little more interesting and personal to them. But I think that they miss the mark and they convolute the story, like you said. It's unnecessary to add that layer in there because half the time that I'm reading it, I'm trying to figure out different specific things about these gods and who they're supposed to be. And I I went out and I read up on what they were supposed to be and who they were to try to make that connection. And it still didn't help me with the story. It was still fucking confusing. And, like, there's the whole bit in the underground with um, the Morgan... And Baphomet. I don't know who the fuck they're supposed to be. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, but it feels like like all of the gods are just these like sex crazed maniacs. Well, that's hilarious because if you were a god, Mister Fucking Sextillion, wouldn't that be what you would be doing? Yeah, but like, I don't. I don't think I would wear it so much. You're a fucking liar. Yeah, yeah, but like... How dare you even form your lips to say that shit? Well, I didn't, I didn't finish saying it. <laughs> but it just feels like a lot of the... Like, a lot of the dialogue is just like... They're just trying to be over the top to be over the top. Like, and it, and I don't I don't like it. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's just it. Like, I don't like it. I wanted... If these... If these are gods supposed to be coming down like I expect and you want us to care about them I expect them to have a more formed personality but they're just such they're just such shells like they're just such one dimensional shells there's nobody in this in either book I read both of them didn't like any character didn't like the teenage girl that you were following along with didn't like any of the gods sheep to all these fucking gods and like I the, think that's the, the most the the only redeemable character is the reporter. Yeah. Because she has because the whole time she's like these cats are crazy. They're murderers. 
and they're kind of psychos. Like, why is everyone following these people? And maybe that's the point of the story. Social commentary. I don't, I don't feel that it is because I feel that you know if you're going into such unnecessary detail, like making these straight up analogs of specific rock stars, mm-hmm. you know, Gillen and McKelvey aren't saying don't idolize David Bowie. Or Kesha, or whoever the fuck the Madaros was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Don't don't idolize these people. They're like, oh, uh, 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 I love uh, love all the stuff, and I love the scene, and I, you know, I love the the London pop scene, and yeah, we're gonna make these these characters. Like every yeah, everyone except the level-headed reporter in the book. I'm just like, fuck. I, I wish I could snap my fingers and then explode all of your heads because that's one of the powers. They snap their fingers and cool you can explode be? people's heads. Now, like I said, I to, to help myself grasp what the fuck was going on in this book, I read a bunch of reviews just to kind of get an idea of what other people were saying about it. And holy shit, do people suck this book off. They love it. They love this. They love Photogram. They can't get enough. It feels like when people make a big deal about Grant Morrison stuff that I don't understand, I feel like I'm not getting something. Yeah. something that I'm missing. People love it. I get the art. The art's beautiful. And Kieran Gillen's a great writer. I've known him from his work on X-Men. He wrote Uncanny X-Men for years and years and years. It was great. If you guys, if you like the look of this book and you want to read something good from these two, there's a Young Avengers arc that's fucking priceless. Oh, did he do that? Both of these guys did this run on Young Avengers where the parents get taken over by aliens from another dimension. It's really great. And it makes a lot of sense because I feel like Marvel was like, hey, you gotta rein that shit in. You gotta stay in your lane and don't talk about crazy fucking shit. But with this and Phonogram, these dudes do whatever they want. They write a love letter to Britpop and American Pop and it makes no sense. Yeah, like a, a lot of the dialogue just is just so fucking over the top. Like, you'll come blood before the night is over. That sounds pretty cool. I'm like, uh, we'll fuck your pretty little eyes out. See, this seems like stuff you would say. Yeah, no, it just, it's. I feel like they're just pushing the envelope to push the envelope with this stuff. But it's not even like pushing it like Miley Cyrus would push something to try to get ratings or something. I just, it's. It just didn't ring true for me at all. Like, you read certain writers' works, and, like, everything feels real honest and real organic, and everything's happening because that's who that's who these characters are. You get a feel of these characters. But when I'm reading the dialogue from these characters, it's not like, oh, this is totally what Lucifer would say. It's, oh, this is... Jamie Kelvey thinks he has some really clever, clever. Or Kieran Gillen thinks he's got some really clever dialogue. He's gonna throw this in here. Jamie like, Kelvey might be responsible for some of the dialogue. Was, he can get some shrapnel. Yeah, this book was fucking dog shit. I was pulled out. Of, <sighs> I was trying. I, I was trying to be like uh, accepting of it. And, you know, trying to wrap my brain around it. It's it's not. It's fucking dumb. Like I was pulled out of this book so many fucking times because it's just so. It's so bizarre. It's so fucking self-serving. I can get bizarre. I can get behind that. I can't get behind confusing for confusion's sake. It was just fucking... It didn't make any sense. And that's what I had a problem with. And I went in wanting to like it. I've liked other things that both of these creators have done. I was kind of excited. There was a lot of hype on it. I was like, yeah, these covers look fucking cool. I'm in. And then (laughs) eight issues later, I'm like, what happened? And know that I'm a dummy. And just like you said about Grant Morrison, like, there's part of me that's like, well, I just don't get it. Yeah, that's like, where I'm this that, I must not get it. Like, I'm, I just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a dummy, and that's why I don't like it. Well, even after I read stuff and tried to learn what I wasn't getting, I still don't get it. <laughs> Maybe I have to read it a third time. That's where we're going to wrap things up tonight with a little Wicked and the Divine talk. I recommend it. I, I recommend the listeners going out, picking up a couple issues, checking it out because it's worth the read to get your own opinions on it. Because I feel like this is, even though we pretty much agree on it, 
I feel like it's a book that's going to have sweeping um, opinions on it. I would like Matt to read this book if he ever had time to sit down and read it. Yeah, and like I said, there's a trade out there from 2003, The Young Avengers. They did a really great run on that. I think it's Young Avengers from 2013, 1 through, looks like 15. Check that out. That's good stuff. They were able to stay in their lane, be focused, and it was a great book. So check that out after you read The Wicked and the Divine. That's going to do it for us tonight. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. And we'll see you next time.